This earth will pass away. This earth will pass away. Then everything that you've built that took the place of Jesus, everything that you love more than him will be gone. So, Lord, let us love you more this year than we ever have before. Ever have before. We praise you, Jesus. Romans 4, 17. Romans 4, 17. Romans 4, 17. It says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he may become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet in the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. We'll read it again. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead, and called those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope, that he may become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. What he had promised, he is able to perform. How did he get there? He staggered knots. Through unbelief. But he believed that which God said he was able to perform. In 2022 and in the years past, you have may be given promises. God has may put promises on your life. 
and you still may have not seen those come to pass. But if you stagger not in unbelief, and you keep on going, even though your insides look dead, even though Moses, it didn't look like Abraham, it didn't look like he could have children. And Sarah, it says her womb was dead through that. You still have to have, you still have to have belief. No matter if it's dead in your eyes, it's still alive in God's eyes. As long as you believe it and you can receive it. If he give you the promise, then we got to not to stagger through the things that we go through, but we got to hold on to the faith and through belief. If he said it, he will do it and accomplish it. The same, not for only you and your life, but the same for the body of this church right here. There's been promises over the last two years that even that there was promises made long before I ever got here. 74, 72, three years ago now. That some of them haven't come to pass. But we can't give up. We can't stagger in unbelief. We can't even worry about it if it looks dead sometimes. And we ask God, how can you ever revive this? How can you ever bring this back to life? Well, the truth is, I don't know how he can do it. I just got to stand on the belief that he can do it. That he is the God of breakthrough. He is the God of revival. He is the God of restoration. It all all hinges on my belief. If God, if you promised it, I've got to stand in it through hell, through high water, through what come, through what goes. I have to stand on the promises of God through the belief, God, that you are going to do it. Through the storms, through the rain, through the weariness, through the struggles, through the pain, through the tears, through the trials, through the persecutions, through all those things, I have to stand for the promises of God and what He said and what He said. And His Word says, I can call those things that are not as though they are. What is that? That's belief that God, you said it. You said I would be the father of many nations. You changed my name from Abram to Abraham. You said that, God. You done that, God. So I've got to, even though I have not seen that come to pass, I still have to stand, even though I don't see it, stand on it and see those things that may not even seem realistic right now. I have to believe that those things will come to pass. I've got to call those things forth. I've got to call them forth. Who against all hope believed in hope. I don't know how your 2023 or 2022 went or how your 2022 is ending. I do not know that. It could be where you're in a, on a mountaintop experience ending, ending last year. It could believe, it could be that you're just still holding on the hope. That's, that's all you've had to hope on. That it, it, it has been a year of, of 
mess. The bad may have far outweighed the good. And if I can be completely honest with you this morning, and I usually am, as far as the church goes, the bride goes, the last six months, it has been pure fighting hell. As your pastor goes, it's been as pure, it has been as pure fighting hell. That the promises that he said and that he has given us, it looked like hopelessness, Sister Bird, at some points. I even told Pastor Lori at one point, I do not see a light at the end of the tunnel. But I go back to Abraham, who against all hope, believed in hope. Who through his faith, staggered not at the promises of God. You say you can look at that and you can go back and see Abraham's life. And you could say that's kind of contrary because there's a couple of times in Abraham's life that he, 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 he takes his wife into certain places and he says, you're not even my wife, you be my sister. That to me, that may sound like, hey, I'm staggering at the promise because if God promised that my seed was going to come from you, Sarah, and he's changed your name, then why am I walking in fear that somebody will take you because you're beautiful? And you look at, to me, that kind of looks like staggering a little bit, but can I tell you in the depths of his heart down deep in his soul he knew there's sometimes that we call things that we shouldn't call them even though we've done have the promises of God and the promise on our life and we take our promise into situations into places and we call it something else other than what God has called it in our life even though we know I will be the father of many nations. My seed will come from Sarah. Even though the promise he said in your life and do that deep down, we go to places and get in certain situations and our mindset wants to call it something that it's not. Rename it for something. And, and then we're like, we're, we get scared. Let's just face it. We get worried. We get fearful. We try to take the promise and make it what we want to make it, to, to cultivate it and make sure that the promise, we take the promise into our own hands and we try to cultivate it and make it into what and, and protect it. It was all out of a good heart that Abraham done it. He was trying to protect what the seed was going to come from. And a lot of times our good intentions out of a good heart and us trying to protect something, it, it causes more mess. But deep down we know that we cannot stagger. We cannot lose hope. We cannot lose those things. Because God has promised us some things. He's promised some of you some things. You've renamed it. You've re, you've took it into your hand. I'll say this, her name was still Sarah. He just called her something else. He didn't rename her. Name. God had done done that. But he just tried to take it and make something else to protect it. If God promised it, we have to stand and not be weak in faith, 
considering. And we can't stagger out the promises through unbelief. We have to stay strong and we have, it says in verse 20, but we're strong in faith, giving glory to God. We have to continue to give glory to God. The first thing that we do when we go through something is we want to stop right there and quit giving glory to God because it seems helpless, it seems hopeless. We start asking those questions. God, did you really say? Are you really with me? But what he said, we have to stand on that promise that he's able to perform standing on that promise this morning I know I, I mean I, I don't know all the prophecies that's been spoken over Lot Road but I know though since I've been here the things that God has put in my spirit and it's to encounter him a place of encounter it's a place where I was, like I said, every time I prayed, God's like, is that what you're going to limit me to? It's a place, a place of, of freedom. It's a place of fire. It's a place of redemption. It's a place of love. And not only for this body, but for this whole area, this whole region, this whole community, this whole county, this whole state, this whole nation. It, it, that's what it is that we have to get that out. I believe one. I believe. I, I think this revival coming up holds a significant thing because I believe that we will, this church will be a, a fire of revival in these last days. I believe that. That's what's in my spirit. He didn't call me. Like I said, when he said encounter, when you encounter God, things change. We love to live in an experience, but experiences leave. Encounters stay with you. There's thousands of churches who had experiences last night and will have an experience this morning. But where will we be with the church that's there that says, God, I don't care. I just want to encounter you in your presence because the encounter is where he changes your name. The encounter is where you have the experience that puts your life on a new trajectory, a new des a destiny and purpose. That's the encounter. If we want to be like everybody else, then we can be like everybody else. But I don't want to. I don't want to. Travis, I don't, I don't know. You're doing an excellent job. I'm not going to tell you you have to leave. You're doing an excellent job. I want to cast some vision in front of you this morning. For 2023, like I said, the vision statement is encounter, equip, and embrace. Encounter God. Equip, disciple. 
and embrace everyone. Embrace this community. Embrace everything outside. We have to learn how, we have to know how to embrace each other before we can ever embrace out in the community. That's the reason I'm telling y'all it's so important when we have these outreaches that we come together as the body to embrace. Because what if we just go out there as the feet and forget the hands? What if we go out there with just the hands and we forget the feet? What if we go out there with the arms and, and forget the fingers? Everybody here is important in the body of Christ. To be effective, we need every person, every person to be connected into the body so that we can go out out. He said go. It, it is a gospel of going and a gospel of doing. And when we go out, when our hand stays back and doesn't want to be apart, guess what? That's a hand that could have done something that could have shook somebody's hand, that could embrace somebody, that could have done because the arm is ineffective without the hand on the end of it. It can't do its job. We cannot do our job unless everybody comes together when we go places, not just in church, in these four walls on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Yes, we need to come together here and we need to embrace each other. We need to encounter God. We need to be equipped and we need to embrace before we ever go out. But when we go out, the same things happen. We want them to encounter God. We want to teach them and equip them and we want to embrace them. And if we leave one part of the body back, then we are ineffective. We are not healthy. We are not healthy. Does that include coming alongside of other churches and other bodies? Yes. Yes. Why wouldn't it? Trust me, y'all. I'm, I'm not going to link up with somebody who does not have vision. You've got to trust me on that. I'm not going to, I'm going to link up with who God puts in my life that we share the common vision of the kingdom of God and to push that forward. That's who I'm going to link up with. And when we link up with people like that, then if we all come together, the body gets bigger. It gets stronger. It can reach further. The arm can go further. The legs can, can go faster. Just think if we come together, how quick. It, it, there's, a, there's a statistic out there that about the kingdom of gospel will be preached all around the world, that it could actually be done within just a day or two if everybody would do their part. That quick. That quick. We could, if we come together as the body of Christ with other bodies, then that quick we can fulfill the goal. We're not here to... And I know people, I've had, I've had people leave because of this, because I've said this, this certain statement. Listen, I'm not here to run six, seven, eight hundred. If, if we, I ain't going to say if, we will run that. But the goal is not to see how many people we can pack in a pew. The goal is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the goal is to see how many people we can reach. I don't care where they go to church as long as they link up with a church that's going to teach them, that's going to preach to them and give them the encounter that they need. There's enough people in this area right here. Like I said, within five miles, I think there's 20,000 addresses and 
20,000 addresses in five miles of this church. That's not counting of if it's a family of four or five. We couldn't put them everywhere. So why are we worried? When we go out to, to do something, if somebody's going to steal this member or steal that, or they might wind up over there. Listen, if you wind up over there, I pray that you left this place in the right reason or they left in the right reason. But if you wind up over there, then you wind up over there. But don't let it, and I don't, I'm not going down, but don't let it be a because of offense. We have to be willing to be his body. So say encounter, equip, and embrace. Say that with me. Encounter, equip, and embrace. I need you to get that in your spirits and get that into your heart. And the other thing, like I say, cast a vision is, is, is every great revival that's ever started or every great move of God or any kind of movement, what, every, what did it start with? How's every great movement start? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows you pick up a book on every great revival, every movement of God, and it all goes back to the first chapter of we prayed, and 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 we prayed. When it seemed hopeless, we prayed. When it seemed like things weren't going to go our way, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, and prayed. And then finally, at some point, when we thought that all things were lost, God moved, but it was out of prayer. Why is it so hard If we're going to encounter God Why is it so hard For us to come together in prayer Don't don't. And I've heard this I pray at home I pray at home too And I'm thankful You need to pray at home But there's something In Ephesians that says Forsake not the assemblings of yourself Together there is something about it when we come together, unity and incorporate prayer as the body of Christ together. It don't say in all the movements and all the things that's happened, it don't say I was in prayer. No, it was usually two or three people because most of the time they couldn't get nobody else to come to prayer. But guess what? That's fine. I, I, thank you, Holy Spirit, for correcting me. It's fine, I reckon, if we have two or three people here because guess what? He said where two or three are gathered, I will be there also. I will be in your midst but it shouldn't be about two or three people if we are the body of Christ then we should make time at some point to come together and pray together for our community, for our church for our families, for all the things that are going on in this world why is it so hard? what do you love more? what do you want to see more? do you want to see a new pair of shoes more, a new house more, so I'll work more, I'll work myself to death. Listen, we're not going to get anywhere if we don't pray. And we have been praying. We meet on Tuesday morning, we meet on Tuesday night, and we meet on Sunday morning before service. I'm fixing to get, but I can count on my hand how many people show up to that.
Then we come in here on Sunday morning and say, I just didn't feel God. Well, you're not connected to the body because evidently it's not important enough for you to take a little bit of time. And I'm going to get off this and pray with your family. It's quiet. I know it. It's even come to the point that me and Pastor Lloyd, it's like, well, I think we'll just ditch one of the prayer things. You know, we'll do it on Sunday, we'll do it on Tuesday morning because guess what? The reason we opened it up for Sunday, Tuesday morning and Tuesday evening, for, for the elderly that can't get out in the dark and they're at home, they can make it here on Tuesday morning. For the people who have to work that are not elderly, guess what? They can make it here on Tuesday night. But guess what? We mo more than, most of the time have more people on Tuesday morning. And I, I ain't going to call names. But it ain't, I'll, I'll give you a number, Lord help me this morning. Usually it's about five. Usually it's about five. Tuesday nights have come to be about two, three maybe. And guess who that is? You can guess the two. I'm getting off of that, but I'm just telling you, if we're going to encounter God, do you love him? He says, if you love me and you want to be my disciple, you have to love me most. Above everything, above your wife, above your kids, above your mother, and above your father. And then he says, you've got to love me above your own self. So where does that put him? If we're going to be the church and the body that God wants us to be in 2023, if we're going to fulfill the promises that he has said for us, and how can we not do it? Not stagger, not stagger in what? Believing and praying, watching and praying, watching and praying. Jesus commanded us to do those things. Watch and pray, watch and pray. Sorry. But we have to continue in a heart of prayer. How does our faith our faith becomes weak if we don't pray. We stagger when we don't pray. We get unbelief when we don't pray. We don't give glory to God when we don't pray. We give glory to the situation. And I'm going to be perfectly real with you right now. The last couple of weeks, I've given more glory to what I, the Red Sea that I saw. Or I give more glory to what should have been what's behind me and I turned around and looked this way and put it before me when really it's, it's, it's there a lot of times we get to that situation and we can't see no way forward and the first thing we want to do is look back children of Israel every time let's go back to Egypt let's go back let's go back let's go back let's go back so if I'm standing at the Red Sea and I can't see no way forward and I turn around and go back, then this becomes my new forward. This is what I'm looking at when really this is the past. We have to stand and look 
the way God wants us to go, even though that there is a sea there, guess what? He is in control of every sea. That's the reason it may seem impossible. In Abraham's situation, it seemed impossible for them to conceive a son, that their seed would be the, the seed that would bring forth the many nations, the tribe of Israel. But it says he staggered not. Will we see the way through to the promise? There will be red seas. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. There will be red seas. There will be giants. There will be Jerichos. There will be those things. But the things that we cannot do is turn around and make our past the present. We got to stay forward and go to the promise and keep pursuing after God because everything in front of us is things that we have never seen before, but we can't be scared to go after it. Our report has to say what Joshua and Caleb's report says, and that is we are able to go into the land. Why? Because God and said I give you that land everywhere the soles of your your feet shall tread it belongs to you but you have to go and you got to possess the promise we can't turn back we can't turn back encounter we'll never reach the encounter God wants us to reach we'll never reach the promise God has for us I'm going to try to go through this real quick. Are y'all with me? A name. It's a word or a phrase. The definition of a name is a word or phrase that constitutes the distinctive or designation of a person or a thing. It's what you are known by. It's what you are known by. And then when you reach milestones in your life or you, you, you do something in your life, then something sometimes gets added to that name. Say you, you get through a college, then you know you can add, a, I don't know, MD or, or a, 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 a this. I have a Bachelor of Science or this or that. You know, it, it, it grows for every accomplishment that you make. You can add something to your name. But ultimately you start off with a name that you are known by. Everybody knows me by my name. Everybody knows you by your name. And if you if you picked up a, a nickname through the years, well, everybody knows you by that nickname. And some people's nickname is something they went through, so that's how they got that nickname. So it still identifies you as who you are. Become a lawyer. You you put that. You can put that in front of your name. Become things. A name is what identifies who you are. That's the reason God changed, changed Abram's name to Abraham and, and Sarah's name to, to Sarah to Sarah because it was going to be the destination. It was who they were going to be. It was identifying them. If we look through the Bible, we can see that, that, that God only changed some, God only gave names to certain people. The first one we can come to is Adam. God named Adam. Give him his name. And then in that, God told Adam, he gave him the authority and power to name other things. He had the authority and power to name other things. You have the power and authority to name other things. 
That's the reason he says you here in Romans, calling those things that are not as though they are. You have that power. You possess that since the beginning. That was the authority that he gave Adam. And he, he named Eve. And then he goes on and he changes Abram's name. And he changes Sarah's name. He gives them the name to put their identity of what they were going to be and what they were called to be. They got the name before they ever got the promise. Then we go on, and, and I think the next one you see that he names is gets a name that we talk about. I believe it's John the Baptist. An angel shows up and said he'll be called John. The next one is Jesus. An angel shows up and says he'll be called Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. The, the Greek name for Jesus means Savior. It means salvation. Christ means anointed. That's what he had identified of what he was going to come and do. He was going to come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was what he came to do. It was his purpose. It was his purpose. And then we see that it, through the years of the Old Testament where every name that was given to most people, their, their kids, every kid's name held a distinction about the thing that they were going through when they had the kid. It, it, it revealed something about the birth of the kid or the situation of the kid and that's what they would name it because that's what they identified their situation is in that they named the kid that you can go to the, the, the 12 uh, the sons, the 12 tribes and every, play, every time that they had a kid it was the situation that it come out of we can go by, back to uh, Hophni and Phineas' wife the Ark of Covenant got taken and she was giving birth and when, the birth, when she died and when the kid come out the nurse named the kid Ichabod means the glory, the power of God the glory of God had departed because that's what names done it identified you and most of the time in the Old Testament the situation that you are in when we give names to things when God gives names to things, it's about a situation that's going to be. It's about something that's going to be. But we have the power to name things. A lot of people say Paul, uh, the Lord changed Paul, uh, Saul's name. He didn't change Saul's name. Guess who changed Saul's name? He did. Himself. So what does that tell me? You have the authority and power to change your own name. He changed it. It's still Saul was still, Paul was still part of his name, and he changed that because it identified more with the Roman culture as his Roman name so he could speak to the Gentiles more, and he could go places under that name and be under that Roman umbrella, I reckon you could say. But he changed his name and said, I'm going to be called Paul now. You have that authority to change your name to something. You may have been a Saul. You may have been a persecutor. You may have been a sinner. You may have been those all those things, but you have the authority to change your name. Amen? Hope I'm not losing. I'm going to try to get through this quick. I've got too much. I've got too much, folks. The importance of a name. We are able, and God give us the ability to name things. Yes, there's time that God steps down and, and he names certain people and he changes their names. 
uh, Jacob to Israel. I forgot that one in there. There's times. But all those were the names that were going to be their new destiny or our new path or the thing that God wanted in their lives. But on the other hand, men has the authority to name things and to name their kids. And we see it even places how how that, that we can go to Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 where he was there and he wrestled with the God, an angel all night and he changed the name of the place. We have that authority. Why did he change it? Because an encounter happened there. Something happened there. And he changed it. In verse number 23 of Genesis chapter 32, it says, He sent over his, his wife. He sent over the things that he had to the other side of the brook. We have to be willing to send over whatever we have. He didn't keep nothing back. He sent it all over. What that tells me in my spirit is he was willing to get rid of everything and send it all over while he stayed back. That's a perfect place of where our life should be. We should be saying, God, it all belongs to you. It so much belongs to you that I'll send it to the other side here and I will stay here in this place by myself. In verse 24 it says, Then Jacob was left alone. Most encounters that lead to a change are in a place and a place of loneliness and uncertainty and struggle. Lord, help me this morning. It says, then Jacob, in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. Hear this. Most encounters that lead to a change are in a place of loneliness, uncertainty, and struggle. I, I, I was in that. I'm in. I ain't going to coming out of that season I'm, I'm professing but the end of 2022 if, if that's the only thing I can explain Sister Bird is God and we know we have been through a change a transition and it has brought loneliness to some people feeling lonely come on it has brought that you felt forsaken. It's brought the uncertainty. It's brought uncertainty to me. God, I don't know where we're going to go with this or how we're going to get there. It is called struggle. It has caused all those things. And when I look back and I read this scripture right here that he was left alone and then a wrestling match broke out, that in those situations and in those times, God reminded me, well, if you're going to have to the encounter that you're going to have and the change that's going to happen and a new name that you're going to get, Kid, then there is got to be before that happens a time of struggle, a time of uncertainty, a time of loneliness where all you do is wrestle. And I feel like that's where I've been for the last couple of months. I don't know where you've been, but I've been wrestling and wrestling and loneliness and uncertainty and struggling. And God reminded me that this is the way you encounter Him because in the uncertainty and then the loneliness, when He shows up, you're not willing to let Him go. Because you finally have captured him and put your hands upon him. And we know Jacob was named for his, it was heel grabber or supplanter. So when the angel came in the uncertainty and the loneliness time, when he had given all that he had and said, send it all away, I'm going to be left alone. And in that uncertainty and in that time of loneliness, when the angel come and he latched a hold, I would like to think that he latched hold of his heel and said, listen, I'm not letting you go. You're 
you're finally here and we're not going to I'm not going to miss this because I've been struggling I've had my brother wanting to kill me I've left my father-in-law that was mad at me I've went to new places I've done new things I've tried to destroy idols but in this situation I'm going to stand here because you're here and it makes us want the presence of God to never leave because we know what we've been through do you understand that? If you have the presence of God with you all the time, which is great, and we should be able to walk in His presence and be in His presence, but it makes us take it for granted. And then when we go through the struggles of uncertainty and, and, and change and, and, and loneliness, and then when the presence of God finally falls, it gives us such a hunger to latch hold of it. No matter what our name used to be, no matter what the past that we used to have, it gives us the desire to say, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not going to seek any other thing. I'm going to stay with you, and I'm going to stay a hold of you and then in this time, I'm not going to let you go. That's where I believe God has brought us to. He said, listen, yes, we've been through uncertainty. We've been through change. We've been through loneliness. We've been through wrestling. We've been through struggles. But right now, the presence of God can show up in this place. But I need a people that knows how to latch on when it gets here. Because when it gets here and you latch on of it and you're not willing to let it go, then the encounter will happen and then the change will happen that will set you on the new course. You understand what I'm saying this morning? Our struggles and our places of loneliness should be. But God shows up give us so much hunger and desire that we're not willing to let him go again. We're not willing to let him go again. Most encounters, like I said, happen in a place of loneliness. We can go to Moses on the backside of a desert. He ran from his life. He was, they was trying to kill him. So he ran. Watching his father's, father-in-law's sheep on the backside of a desert. A lonely place all by himself. And he shows up there and a bush becomes, gets set on fire. Out of his loneliness, out of his struggle, out of the uncertainty. He didn't know what he was going to do with his life. He didn't know that, that his name, when he, his wife, his, they named him Moses. That means to be drawn out. He didn't know not only was he going to be drawn out of a river, but he was going to be the one who drew out the people. Instead, he finds himself on the backside of a desert watching sheep. Probably lonely, God, how did I get here? Will my life ever have any purpose? Will I ever do anything for you? And about that time, the bush sets on fire. And he tells him, there's some things that's got to happen. You've got to want to. You've got to turn to it. You've got to want it. And you've got to get where nothing is in between you and it. You hear me this morning. If God, I ain't going to say if. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When the fire of God comes down in this place, we have to be a people that is willing to turn to it. Not just look at it. Turn to it. Gaze upon it. Behold it. Look at the fire. Hear the voice that is speaking from it. 
then we have to be the people that is willing to let nothing come in between us and that. And what is that? He took his shoes off. This is holy ground. We've got to treat this place as holy ground. We have to take off everything that may become between us and God before we ever come into his presence or into this place. And then we have to just be willing to look and to listen at the bush. And out of the bush, we will get our purpose. We will get our calling. I'm going to call you to go and deliver my people out of bondage. And that should be what our calling is. He's called us to go and deliver this world out of bondage, out of sin, under a faith of the devil that's keeping them suppressed and beat down and occupied and thinking there's nothing better but that all comes out of that situation but first there was loneliness uncertainty but when it happens we have to be willing we have to be willing to latch a hold like Jacob did we have to be willing to take our shoes off and allow nothing in between us like Moses did We have to be willing to sacrifice our time and ourselves for the call that God has put upon this body and put upon this people. The wrestling match broke out and it lasted all night long. We, it is so important that we are not, that you are, it is so important that you are willing to do what it takes to see change. It's so, I'm going to say that again, it is so important that you do what it's willing to do, what it takes to see change. If we're not not willing to do what it takes to see change, we'll never see change. Change is a word that calls things to change. You have to change. A wrestling match broke out and it said it happened all night to the break of of the day. So it has to be so important. This has to be so important that you're willing to do what it takes to see change. He touched, and in that wrestling match, the angel touched the hip, his hip, his socket. Are we willing to be hurt so badly it causes us to walk differently? Change is hard. Change hurts. Everybody don't like change. Change hurts. Change is hard. Everybody don't like change. Change hurts. Change is hard. Not everybody likes change. But are we willing to stay in there and to do what it takes and is necessary to see change? Are we willing to be hurt to go through it? The angel touched the hip of his socket and, and he, he, it hurt him. Are we willing still not to let go when we become hurt? Or when we become offended? Or something changes that we don't like? Are we willing? Because this is what the Lord told me about that. Are we willing to be hurt so badly it causes you to walk differently? From that point forward, Jacob walked different than he walked before. Or do you still want to walk the same? Say a simple question. Say, I wish more people were here this morning. Are we, do we want to be different? 
in that differentness, you do get a new identity. Or do we want to walk go like we've been walking? Change is a word that never stops, okay? Let's get that straight. Uh, Pastor Dick Braswell said it when, he's, when he was here. Change, you should be constantly changing. Because the moment you quit changing is the moment really you quit going, you quit doing. So you say, Pastor, you're using this word as change like it's, like it's going to some, and it's not. It's something we should be doing anyway. But we don't. We choose to be what we want to be. What we want to be is a people of comfortableness, a people of routine, a people, a creature of habit, of, of, of things. We want to have it all under our control and the way we want it. And, the way, and if, if changes happen constantly, it's never in our control. And people don't like that. I sometimes don't like that. Be honest with you. So change is, is, is change has to happen to survive. Change has to happen to survive. Are you willing to be hurt so badly that you walk differently? This is what I want you to listen to. Wounded and healed at the same time. Jacob was wounded and healed at the same time. I will, I will take a lap across this place right now, Sister Bird. He was wounded and healed at the same time. What seems like a wound is only a wound if you allow it to be a wound in your life. If you walk away from the situation limping and you think about the pain that is caused, the struggle that it caused, and, the, and that becomes your identity is I'm just a crippled man now. I walk with a limp. Then your wound, it, it becomes just that, a place of, of woundedness, a place of brokenness, a place of that's your identity now. But the wound did not identify of who Jacob was. Even though he was wounded and it hurt, he was also healed at the same time because he knew in that the different walking was not for him to say, I'm a crippled man, but the different walking was to say, I'm different because I spent all night in a prayer meeting with an angel and I wouldn't let go till he blessed me and it changed my life forever. Yeah, I walk differently now. Yeah, I talk differently now. I'm willing to change and go with God what he wants so he's wounded and healed at the same time. It's only what we allow it to be. The season that we've went through, it's only what we allow it to be. Are we allowing it going to be a wound? Are we going to allow it to be healed? Are we going to allow it to take us to our new destination? Or are we going to allow it to call we were crippled? I'll be honest with you. It's easy to say we were crippled. It's easy to say, well, we lost Philip. We lost some more. We're just a crippled church now. It'd be easy to say, brother, brother, I'd be lying if I told you my mindset didn't go there. To say, God, what are we going to do? We're crippled. For the wrong reasons. We're crippled. How are we? Because he reminded me, he said, listen, 
Numbers don't numbers does not tell you if you have a lively church. It's not in the numbers that that dictates whether your church is a dying church or a living church. We put that on it. Well, that church is losing people. That church is dying. That church is growing. That church is alive. Now, that is not not what natural hair is. That's not, not what it means. It's not what it means. People grow churches all the time, and the Lord ain't with them one, I'm just be honest with you, with them one bit. It's what they're doing, or it's appeasing the people, and it's performance, and it's experiences, but it's not encounters, because encounters hurt. Encounters hurt. Change hurts. Pruning, when I preached back in July about the pruning, boy, have we ever been through six months of pure pruning. It hurts. But I'm not going to allow from this point forward in 2023, brother and sister Bird. For what we went through to be a wound. And say we're a crippled church. No, we're not. We're a church that is set up for an encounter with God, a change. And if we will not let go, we will see that happen. But we can't dwell on the hurt that has happened and the woundedness that has happened. We have to dwell on what's about to happen to us. We are in the presence of God. He's never left us. Okay? He's never left us. We come in here sometimes with the wrong attitude and the wrong thinking because of what we went through, but he's never left us. We just let go of his heel a little bit. Travis, if you can come try to blow me down. You touch the hip of the socket. Are you willing to be hurt so badly it causes you to walk differently, wounded and healed at the same time? Verse 26, it says, but he still didn't give up. Even the angel said, let me go. Wouldn't it be so awesome? That God, his angels in this place, said, listen, I need to go for a minute. No, you ain't going anywhere. That's what Jacob told him. See, the angel said, listen, you got to let me go. I need to go. And he said, no, I ain't letting you go. That's what we got to have. The hunger to say, God, I'm not letting you go. I'm wounded and healed. Because why am I healed? Because I'm not willing to let the wound let go of the presence of God. He's told him, I will not, in verse 26, accept thy blessing. That word blessed there in the Hebrew is a, is a word for praise. It's Barak. I thought that interesting. He said, I'm not going to let you go unless you Barak me. The Hebrew alphabet shows this picture of this word blessed, Barak, as this, a bending of the knee to drink from a pond or to present a gift. 
Jacob, as he's wrestled all night, he's probably down on one knee, I don't know, because his hip's hurting. He still has a hold of the angel. And he says, and the angel saying, let me go. He's like, I ain't letting you go. The angel said he, did, he couldn't prevail. He tried to get away and could not prevail. We need a congregation and a body of people that's like that. I'm not letting you go. And the angel looks at Jacob and says, let me go. He said, I'm not until you barack me, until you bless me. Well, in that situation, things would have to change if the angel was going to barack him. Because the Hebrew word means to get down on a knee like you're drinking or present a gift. So in that situation where he's sitting there saying, listen, I'm not going to let you go till you barack me. I'm down here. Something had to happen. A shift to turn where he was standing and the angel was there presenting him a gift. If we're not, if we don't let go, if we don't let go and we say we're not until you bless me, then a shift has to happen. And our wound that becomes healed, we stand up and the angel bows down and says, here's the gift. I'm giving you a new name. No more shall you be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. You'll be a nation, a prince. You will be the person that goes, that all things come from me. You will be my chosen people. You will be the apple of my eye. If we are not willing to change and if we're willing to hold on then some a shift has to happen a shift has to happen God we're not letting go till you barack us till you bless us Lord and change comes and change comes our blessing is on the other side and y'all have heard that of not giving up It's his persistence of not letting go that calls the angel and asks, what is your name? The angel knew Jacob's name. I think it's not in there, but I think he knew his name. But the persistence of him not wanting to let go, he had to ask him, who are, who are you again? Who did I come down here to? If I got the right person, I wasn't anticipating staying all night wrestling with you. Most people give up. Most people let me go. Who are you again? And he said, I'm Jacob. And then he said, from this point forward, you'll be called Israel. Comes from two words in the Hebrew. It means prince of God. In verse 28, it says, has power with God and men. And he prevailed. Power with God and men. We want the full covering and blessing, the Barak. That Barak blessing gives us the power with God and with men in this community. It gives us what we need to do what God has called us to do. To, to do. Encounter, equip, and embrace. Because we have power with God and we have power with men. If you would stand with me. finish this next week so I don't know what your 2022 was like and how it ended but today's a new day 
Are we willing to do what it takes, the change it takes? Are we willing to lay a hold? Are we willing to not give up until we say, God, this circumstances has to switch? Are we willing to let our wound be our healing? For the angel to stand up and present us with a gift and change our name. And change our name. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for where we were. God, but we're, we're not looking back. We're looking forward. God, and we want to lay a hold of you. God, in this time, God, that we went through of uncertainty, of change, God, just makes us hungrier, God, to hold on to you. God, that we won't give up. God, we are healed. God, we walk differently now. God, but we are called something else. God, we are not who we used to be. God, we are prince of God. We have favor, God, with you, power with you, and power with men. Lord, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. In that, I want to say this. Like I said, I wish more people were here. It's something I've been praying about or the Lord put in my spirit probably seven, eight months ago. Brother Lindsay kind of confirmed it one morning in prayer, but I'm not, because I know from hearing history this, anyway, one morning there in prayer about six, seven months ago, Brother Lindsay said this to me, said we should change the name of the church, and I don't want you to get mad at me. So I prayed about that, and I prayed about that, and I prayed about that. But I won't do it, even though I feel it in my spirit. I won't do it without the consensus of the people. So I want you to go home and pray about it the next week. Because like I said, a name identifies you. But are we willing to change too? Most churches, the reason they were called what they were called. And we're not doing this. I'm not doing this just to go along with the trend that we see people doing. I'm not doing that reason most churches was called what they are. Most of them identify the community they were in. Which back then when you didn't have GPS or map, if you just find Lot Road, then you could find the church that you was looking for, Lot Road Church of God. But I really believe there's something in a name and an identity and what we have called us to be. I've talked with the council about it. I've talked with some of our leaders about it word that keeps coming to my spirit is the same thing that lined up last year and lines up this year was encounter encounter church of God or encounter whatever because that's if that's our identity that's what we are wanting is when they look that's what but that's what we got to be though we can't put something above the name of the door and not be it you understand me so that's the name, and I'll tell you, I was at a, a pastor's conference in Orlando. I was standing in line to get in the, the door, and I was talking to a, a, another pastor who had uh, planted a church in Las Vegas. And then the Lord told him to move to New York, and he had just planted a church up in New York. And like I said, in, in the service before that, 
the Lord was dealing with me about this, the changing the name. And I come out and got in line to go back into the next service. We were talking, and he told me, I said, what's the name of your church? He said, Encounter. And I have looked it up. There's not an Encounter Church in Mobile County that I know of. It's not on Google or any place else. So the reason I wanted to present all this to you, and I felt it was led by the Holy Ghost, I know it was. But like I said, it's got to be something you're willing to put it like this, I don't plan on going anywhere. But it's got to be something that if the Lord called me somewhere else or, or done something that the church is still wanting to be. I'm not saying this a church is for every pastor to come in and try to change the name. To, I'm not saying that. I believe I believe the Lord's so quick to come back though. But it's you got to be okay with it. That if for some reason that we must leave that you're still okay to being called Encounter Church of God but I think it identifies you it identifies like I said a name identifies and we are at a, a, a Jacob situation of being changed to Israel I could see our story so much in that story we sent everything over just left alone Loneliness, uncertainty, wounded, but still wasn't willing to let go. The people who are left are not willing to let go. Are the people who's willing to go, hold on, and encounter him to change, to be the church. So like I say, if you have, if you pray about it this week and the Lord gives you a name, bring it with you next Sunday. But but I want to go if we'll vote on it. Like I said, we'll vote on it. Vote yes or no, and if it's more than one names, we'll put them out there. We'll we'll kind of vote on it, but I want you to be praying about it this week, and we're starting prayer and fasting. So, uh, but I believe it's something that if we're going forward in the new year, we need to we need to put that out there. We need to put that out there. Have ideas and stuff. But anyway, Lord, we thank you for your word that you've given us. Lord, as we pray, God Jesus. All we've been through in 2020, God, we're not going to let go. Lord, until you barack us and the shift happens. Lord, you present us with a gift. God, you change our name. God, into the destiny, the prince of God, that we have favor, God, and power with God and men to accomplish your work that you have set forth for us, God, in this last day. Lord, I pray that you bless all the families here going forth, God, that we do change, God. Everyone is change starts in the house. Change starts in the heart. Lord, let us change, God. Let us spend more time, God, loving you than anything else. God, and not take no for an answer. This world will pass away and it will soon. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for all you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, you're more than welcome. I'll